March 29, 2020, the fifth Sunday in Lent. Our scripture readings for meditation today are from the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 to 14, the Epistle of Romans, chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, and the Gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 45, sermon titled, Life in Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Where is your God? Why does he just stay up there while we're perishing down here, especially during these times of sickness? Where is God right now? Mark chapter 4 records this. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Maybe we've wrestled with these feelings or thoughts before. Maybe we've heard them from some friends or family members who might be pondering these things or maybe posting them online. Sometimes we might feel this way. Sometimes we might feel like Thomas from our gospel reading who says, Let us also go that we may die with him. Or maybe you feel like Martha sometimes. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And as the world rails against the Lord, often during these times of crisis, scoffing at him for his, quote, lack of care, we too might feel left behind and we might begin to rail against the Lord and demand him to carry out our wants and our wills and our desires rather than trusting in him. And so in our gospel reading, while Martha initially does speak that phrase, which can be seen as maybe commiseratory, immediately afterwards, she then confesses this. She says these next words right after that complaint. She says, But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into this world. We can certainly learn something from Martha in her response to the Lord in our times of strife. Her hope should be our hope. And throughout this entire section of scriptures from the Gospel of John chapter 11, there's many things that we can relate to and a lot of people that we can learn from. During our life on earth, and especially during uncertain times, these words of Christ are truly comforting. I am the resurrection and the life. This entire story is truly comforting. The story recorded raising Lazarus from the dead is truly comforting. Even verse 35, Jesus wept, preaches to us, and comforts us. You see, all the selected verses for this fifth Sunday, they all preach life. Specifically, that God in heaven is life. Specifically, that Jesus Christ is the resurrection. Specifically, that God's word is active and is performative. There's no other words that are like God's words. Our Old Testament reading of Ezekiel, our epistle of Romans, and our gospel of John preach these things. Life and that God's word is like none other. And this is great news. Not just because of the truth that it holds, but I think because of the situation that we're currently living through. This is great news for us. As we journey together 
during our time apart, doing our best to keep the spread of this virus to a minimum, our public gatherings in person have been suspended. But this doesn't mean that we can't gather around God's word together. You still have access to his word through the scriptures. You still have access to God's word, whether you're using an old family Bible, one from your confirmation, or a phone app or the internet. And this blessing of God's word and the easy accessibility of his word might have slipped past our glossed over eyes as we were consumed with our modern life and its fast pace. And so now, with our time apart, this could be time for us to be still and know that he is God, just like Psalm chapter 47 records. But before we discover what these scripture readings teach us about life, let's take a look at what they teach us about God's reaction to death using our Gospel of John. John 11 records, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid Lazarus? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. You know, oftentimes when someone is struggling with a tragedy, and specifically the passing of a loved one, we like to remind them that God knows what they're dealing with. He knows because, well, he's omnipotent. He's all-knowing. He knows because he loves us. And while this is certainly true and a great comfort, I also like to remind people that he knows what you're going through also because he created you. He created you. So he knows you like you don't even know yourself. And not only are you not suffering or grieving alone, the Lord knows and he will comfort you. But even this, not only that he's all-knowing, not only does he love you, not only has he created you, but he is suffering and grieving with you. He knows exactly what the sting of death feels like. He saw it firsthand when he saw his friend Lazarus lying there in the tomb. Jesus wept because he knows that this is not how it's supposed to be. We were not meant for death. Rather, we were meant for life. And so what great comfort that is that Jesus wept. What great comfort that is that our God is not distant, but he intimately knows our experiences. He knows because he saw them firsthand. He knows because he himself died. So he knows death better than any of us here. He knows death better than us because I'm assuming that those of you who are listening to this have not yet experienced death. And so while he experienced the sting of death and the loss of a great friend, he experienced the sting of death himself. And this is where the greatest news of all comes. Because there's plenty of gods throughout this history of mankind who claim to know and experience death. There's countless stories of the Greek gods who dealt with this issue and all the issues that occurred on earth. Yet, our Lord and our God's word holds life because he himself is life. Our Old Testament gives us a little bit of glimpse of this. 
The prophet Ezekiel records the story in which the Lord says, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God's word causes things to happen. God's word created the world and sustains it. God's word performs signs and miracles throughout the Old and the New Testament. God's word came in flesh to this world to prophesy to us, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And anyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. God knows our pain and our grief better than anyone else because he made us, because he loves us, because he's all-knowing, because he experienced the passing of Lazarus, because he himself has died, but also because he came with a plan to destroy death. God knows our enemy of sin, death, and the devil because he has overcome them in victory. And so Christ uses this tragedy of his dear friend Lazarus passing. He uses this tragedy of his death as a sign for the people there and for each one of us to know that in him, in Jesus Christ, is the power to overcome death. And so now we, with Mary, with Martha, Lazarus, the disciples, and all the saints await the time when we will be raised again to everlasting life. For Jesus is that resurrection and that life. God's word does what it says it does. God's word of life and promise is fulfilled in the word made flesh. God's word is to be cherished. For in it, life and salvation through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now before I end this, scriptural message for the fifth Sunday at Lent. Our scripture reading of the Gospel of John chapter 11 was 45 verses, and there's quite quite a lot to unpack in these verses as well. And so I wanted to make one expository note or something for all of our listeners to take away today. And if you were to turn in your scripture readings to John chapter 11, verses 45 to 53, there's this little section after this story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I'll read it here for you, and we'll talk about just one thing that shows us God's plan at work, even through the evils of this world. John chapter 11, verse 45 to 53 reads, Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees, and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all. Nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one of the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. This is the word of the Lord. 
If you see here, the chief priests and the Pharisees were scared. They had desires for themselves over maybe the desires of what the word of the Lord was about to accomplish. They were afraid that Jesus would cause their power and their good uh, fellowship and, and good tidings with the Romans who let them have that power fall apart because of Christ. And so Caiaphas prophesies these words that it's better for one person to die than for the whole nation to perish. And the irony in this is that God is working through that evil plan. It's true. It is better for one person to die than the whole nation to perish. It is better that Christ, the only one who could take away our sin, who could fulfill all of the demands of the law, would die so that we, the nation of God or his people, would not perish. If you take a look then at your Romans reading for today, Romans chapter 8, listen to these words and see if you can make any connections with what we just heard of Jesus taking our place while he dies so that we might live through him. Romans 8 reads, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And so we see God's plan. We see God's word active, acting and sustaining us. Praise be to God that it is his plan and it has been fulfilled. Praise be to God that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. Amen.